Some of you might know that a couple of weeks ago we went on a big family trip and uh, we were able to enjoy a long road trip along the northern coast of Northern California and right up along the Oregon coast and right up into Washington and all the way up to Seattle. And it was a fantastic trip. And so I'm just curious, have any of you ever been able to do that trip along the Oregon coast, the Pacific Northwest? It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And so many roads that are just winding along. And sometimes you're in the, in the, the trees and the mountains, and sometimes you're along the coast. And it's just gorgeous. And there was a, a point at which uh, we got into Washington, and it changed. The 101 highway along Oregon is pretty straightforward. You just go straight up along the coast, and you go town after town after town. You don't really need a lot of directions. You don't need a lot of a map to really follow, except if you want to find out how long it's going to take to get to the next place. But once we get into Washington, we had to do some more turns. We had to turn left here and turn right there and, and go on this little road there to this road there to get to that city, and I wasn't ready for that. So having driven most of the last several days in Oregon, just going straight up the road, I did the same thing in Washington and just kept going right up the road. And pretty soon, my daughter says, Dad, you're supposed to turn there. Oh, okay. So then I go up and I turn around, I come back and I look at the map and then I, I go on. Okay, there, I'm set. Okay, now I'm back on the 101. And then I go along and, and my daughter says, Dad, you were supposed to turn there too. <laughs> And this happened three times. I was like, ah, I need to follow the map. I was getting lost. I was getting turned around. But you know what? Getting lost and turned around is nothing new to me. I've been doing that all my life. In fact, 20 years ago when I was a youth pastor, the youth group kids would tease me. They would call me. Uh, they, would, they would say, Jim always drives in circles. <laughs> Jim's always driving in circles because I'm always missing the turns. And I have to go up, turn around, and come back, and go around the block to make the right turn and go in that direction. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm the only one. I hope I'm not. But does anyone else struggle <laughs> with following directions and getting in the right place? I mean, it's just a constant struggle for me, especially when you're in a car and you're talking with each other. And, and I start thinking about what I'm doing and what, and what we're talking about. And it's just fun and interesting. And then I get turned around and like, oh, I was supposed to turn back there. <laughs> so this, uh, this trip reminded me of the importance of a map. Now, so I'm going to show you a little map of the, the coast. This, I, before we went on this trip, we had to follow a map. I had to set a course for myself. And thank you, God, for Google Maps. <laughs> it's so helpful. You can plot your course all along. And so we started in Eureka, California flew into there, and we visited the Redwood National Forest, and those trees are amazing, they're huge, they're ancient. Man, it puts life into perspective. <laughs> and then we drove all the way up along the, the coast there, and uh, we stopped in Depot Bay, right in the middle of Oregon, and we spent three days there, and we had the opportunity to do some whale watching. Uh, I saw two whales out the window of the house that we we're staying in, and then we saw three more whales out on the boat. It was really, really fun and exciting. But the house that we were staying in really embraced the coastal theme with uh, decorations on the walls and so on. And one thing that they had on their wall was a framed map of the Oregon coast. And so I'll show you that here. Now, this framed map is not just a normal map. This map is a nautical 
map. It's a nautical chart. And you see the, on the right side is the Oregon coast and the land. But then filling up the left side there is the Pacific Ocean. Now, the lines uh, that go up and down on the Pacific Ocean there are territorial borders. And they show you how far is, is, is you know, U.S. land and then how much is international uh, U.S. territory and international territory and so on. And then all the little dots you see uh, in the Pacific Ocean, you can't tell from the picture, but those are numbers. And those numbers are in fathoms. And a fathom is six feet. So one fathom is six feet, two fathoms would be 12 feet, and so on. And so this map, this chart is filled with all these depths. And then as you get closer to the, the land, you start seeing different color of blue, and you start seeing different lines that show the depths of the sea, because it's important for ships to know how close you can get into the land without hitting rock, right? So under the water, there will be shallow, uh, shallow waters, there will be, be reefs, perhaps a, a, sh a shelf of, of sand that comes down, and you have to go in in a certain direction, and you have to come in at a certain angle to get into the harbor. Otherwise, you might run into rocks, or you might run into something under the water, because these, these bigger ships, you know, they're, they have deep, deep holes that go below the water. And this map is important for them. Now, yesterday, we went out, some friends and I went out boating on Lake Pepin. And to do that boating trip, we went from, Pepin, uh, from Lake City to Pepin City, and we had great lunch over there in Pepin City. And uh, we used a map as well. And we have this, uh, it's a depth finder, of course, and many of you might have a boat and you use a depth finder, but this depth finder, it's not just finding the depths of where you are, it's also a nautical chart. It shows both the depth of what's under you and coming ahead, as well as a nautical chart of what to plan for and how to plan your route across the lake or around the river. Maps are important for navigating roads, for navigating water. It's also important for navigating a golf course. <laughs> now, <laughs> I went golfing at a local course the other day, and I was on hole number seven. And I, I finished the hole, and, and I brought my cart up around uh, thinking that the next one up would be the tee for hole number eight. And it wasn't. It was hole number three or whatever it was. And I was so confused. I couldn't figure out. I think it was hole number four is where it was. So I had gotten back to, I'd gone through seven, and I went back to four. And it was so, <coughs> so confused. I was driving my cart around, I swear, if somebody was watching me, they'd be thinking I was a fool, looking around, trying to find my way. Well, little did I know, back about uh, 100 yards before the green was a pathway to lead to, to hole number, number eight. And if I had just pulled out the map and looked at it to see where the next hole was, I wouldn't have been driving around like a crazy man looking for my way. But, of course, that's just how I do life. <laughs> so, friends, we need maps, right? We need maps to help us get to where we're going. Now, some of us, especially of the male persuasion, prefer not to use maps because we don't want anybody telling us what to do. We, want to, we know that we can figure it out on our own. Well, unfortunately, 
Fellas, that's not always the case. We do need maps. And if we didn't have maps, we would just be wandering aimlessly half the time in our lives. And the same is true for our spiritual lives. We tend to live our spiritual lives, our Christian lives, and grow in our faith in such a haphazard way. We pick and choose what's interesting to us. We, we, try to, we read this part of the Bible and think about this, and then we read that part of the Bible and think about this. And, and in many cases, the Holy Spirit can guide us, but we do need a map to help us know what is next. What is the next destination in my spiritual growth? We need guidance. And that's where uh, we want to talk about today. Jesus gave us a map. It's not super obvious, but he gave us a map. Now, I'm calling this the faith map. And it's a series over the next four weeks here, including today, that will walk through a variety of destinations that are both sequential in nature and cyclical in nature. Now, what do I mean by that? We love going to San Diego. San Diego is probably our favorite part of the country to go visit. My wife and I will go there as often as we can. I had never been to Seattle. I've been to San Diego several times. I've only been to Seattle once. We go back to San Diego because there's more there for us to enjoy. We feel like we get to know the place a little bit more. We all have cities or destinations that we'd like to return to because we missed so much the first time, right? And when you go back a second time, you try something new, you explore a new area. Now, in our spiritual lives, I want to show over the next several weeks that there are steps, that there is actually a sequence, and it's important to follow the sequence. But over these next four weeks, I hope you understand that by using this faith map, you never arrive. Okay, understand this. In your spiritual life, you never fully arrive so that you've got it all figured out. You don't need any more directions. There's nothing more to explore. You're a perfect Christian. <laughs> that will not happen. Now, God gives us the ability and the capacity to live a holy life. In our finiteness, there's always more to explore in all four of these destinations that I will be talking about. Now, the first destination is belonging. And belonging is characterized by Jesus' statement, come to me. And that's in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. The, 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 it is about finding a sense of belonging in Jesus, or belonging to Jesus and in the church. That's the first stage. That's the first step in your spiritual journey. Finding a sense of belonging to Christ through salvation, redemption, justification. This is where the grace wheel that I talked about comes in. This is our first step into faith with Jesus. And... In this stage as well is belonging in the church. Now, the objective of this stage in the, in the journey, in your spiritual journey, is re- to build a relational foundation, a 
relational foundation with Christ, with others in the church, and with God himself. So this relational foundation serves as the foundation for all the next steps. And you will always come back to this one. In fact, this is kind of the place you live. If you were to consider, if you're thinking about it, going on a journey, you live here. You're always returning back to this place, to this destination. And you're going out and exploring new destinations from here. Now, the second stage, the second destination is called pursuing. Now, the word belonging is your activity. Pursuing is your activity now as well. Once you come to Christ and you find a sense of belonging in the church, you will begin pursuing. Now, before we get to that, I wanted to just bring up one more thing. Uh, when it, in, in, the, in the stage of belonging, sometimes people come to faith first. They come to faith in Christ first, and then they start exploring belongingness in the church. But friends, sometimes, in fact, many, many times, people find a sense of belonging in the church first. They find friendships. They're intrigued by the worship. They're interested in the sermons. They want to hear more, but they haven't come to faith yet. There are many people who belong before they believe. And it's our task as a church to cultivate that sense of relational foundation for them to, to foster leaning more and more toward believing and finding their faith in Christ. We have a mix of both, and we have to always be aware of that mixture of both. Now, pursuing is the next your activity in the next stage is to begin pursuing, and that is characterized by Jesus' statement, follow me. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus says, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people, or I will make you fishers of men. This stage is about pursuing your life in Christ and knowledge of the word. Life in Christ and knowledge of the Word. I'm just bringing it down into two simple elements. Life in Christ is about developing an understanding of your new identity in Christ. It's about developing your understanding that you are also set apart for Christ. And that we have unity around Christ. That's life in Christ, living life in Christ. And as we cultivate that and develop that in our lives, we have to go to the Word. And what does the Scripture say about my identity? That I am made in the image of God, that I am redeemed, that I have been forgiven, that I am free. And so understanding your new identity in Christ is essential as this, in this second step, which then is a foundational step before the next one. The objective here... Or, Knowledge of the Word. Knowledge of the Word. There's so much to explore and understand about Scriptures. What is the, the bigger picture story? What's the narrative of the Scriptures? What is God doing throughout? And there's so many uh, studies that we can do together. Knowledge of the Word is understanding uh, when Jesus says um, to, to, to know my commands and to, to follow my commands, do we know the commands of Christ? Studying the commands of Christ. When uh, we want to explore and understand what the scriptures say about different topics and issues, that all falls under knowledge of the word. Now, it's important 
that we realize that we could spend a lifetime just gaining knowledge about the Bible. But friends, that is only, that is a step. That is a stage of life. You're using, you're, you're learning and you're, you're growing in your knowledge of the Scripture to help you with the next stage, to build that foundation for the next stage. So there's a purpose. And notice this, Jesus said, follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. I will make you fishers of men and women. There is a purpose, there's a mission here. We're gaining knowledge of Scripture and understanding with an ultimate goal, an ultimate mission. And we'll talk about that in the next stages. But in this stage, once you find belonging to Christ and belonging in the church, your next activity is to pursue. If Jesus says, follow me, you've got to take the step to say, okay, I will follow you. I will pursue you. I will pursue my identity in Christ. I will pursue knowledge of the word. The objective here, the primary objective here for this stage is spiritual formation. Forming your heart, your soul with the influence of scripture, with an understanding of your identity in Christ. Now, the third stage, the third destination that you go to along this journey that's on the map, I call it practicing, because that's your primary activity. It's practicing, and it's characterized by Jesus' statement, keep my commands. In John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. This is where we practice our faith. Now, I'm using the word practice intentionally because it has a twofold meaning to it. One meaning, of course, is to one dimension to it is that you're actually putting it into practice. You're actually doing it. We're actually keeping his commands. But the other dimension to that meaning is we need a lot of practice at it. <laughs> right? It takes time. It takes development. And we don't always get it right the first time but we're practicing it. We're both putting it into practice and we're practicing it as we do so. And so this is where there are uh, three elements in this, or three places to explore in this destination. The first one is uh, spiritual habits. Practicing spiritual habits, practicing healthy relationships, and practicing wise decisions. This is where all that formation of the, the second stage, destination, uh, comes into play. Everything that I learned there, I'm putting into practice here. And if I, I I'm not going to fully put it into practice here if I hadn't fully learned it there. So if we're going to have healthy marriages, it begins with spiritual formation of my identity in Christ and understanding of Scripture and the Holy Spirit's influence in my life there so that then... I have the soul, the, the character development to put into practice a healthy relationship with my spouse, with my family, with my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my brothers, my sisters, my friends. And making wise decisions the same. The objective here in this stage is real application. Now I say, I qualify that application with the word real intentionally. 
You see, I know that there are a lot of Christians who live a life in such a way that they figure out the rules of Christianity and then they, they apply them to their lives. And there are, there are preachers who will talk about a text and they immediately go to an application. This is how it applies to your life. And that is great. That is so helpful. But I just want to point out that if we move to application immediately without having done good spiritual formation first, then that application is just a rule to live by. It's not true fruit-bearing, as Jesus puts it. Now, I want to show you a picture here. This is a picture that my daughter drew for me uh, a number of years ago. Okay? So, how old do you think she was here? <laughs> I think she was maybe five or six, I think, right around that age. And she's like, Dad, look, this is our family. And she was so excited. I said, oh, honey, this is an amazing picture. I love it. She looked, there, there's, there's Dad, and there's Mom, and, and there's Greta, and there's me, and we're, here's the trees outside in our yard, and, and there's Mom's flowers. And I said, oh, honey, that is beautiful. Absolutely love it. You did such a great job. We're going to put this up on the refrigerator. Let's put it up on the refrigerator. When something goes on the refrigerator, that's a big deal, right? Refrigerator art is like, wow, that's the trophy case right there. It made it. Now, you know what I didn't do? No one would do this, right? No parent would do this. Oh, honey, you know, the body shape is a little off. It's a little, it's kind of, it's kind of, long, and it doesn't really fit the character of a real body. Oh, and they're, where, where's their mouth? They're missing a mouth. And the head is kind of looks like a pear. It really should look more like an oval, okay? And that's not quite what my hair color looks like. That's really not quite right. You know, what am I doing now? Now I'm being critical. I'm criticizing her work and what she's done. I didn't do that. You know why? Because this is what it used to look like. This is what her pictures of the family used to look like, right? And now if you take, go from this and you go back to that picture and you look at it, that's amazing. <laughs> Way to go, honey. That's awesome. Friends, it's the same with our spiritual lives and, our, and our, our, you know, honestly, it's how we live our lives. Christians who are new in their faith and growing in their faith, it takes time for them to get to the place where they're actually practicing healthy relationships and making wise decisions in their lives. It's a process. It's, a, it's progress. And those of us who are older in our faith, who are more mature in our faith, we need to look back at them and say, that's awesome. You did great. It's not quite, you know, you don't need to say that. It's not quite where God is wanting them to be, but they're making progress. They're making real application, but it starts with formation. It takes time to build that. So my friends, my invitation to us is don't be too critical on people about their moral choices because they're on a journey. Let's come alongside of them and continue to form and allow the Holy Spirit to form their hearts and their souls so that they can make wise decisions and healthy have healthy relationships.
It just takes time. They don't need us Christians criticizing them for not doing the right thing all the time. It's our job to come alongside of them and care for them and coach them. Now, the fourth stage is, is the stage where I call contributing. And this stage is where we actually have, are bearing fruit in our lives and we're able to cr- contribute back into the faith life of someone else. And it's characterized by Jesus' statement, go and make disciples. In John chapter 14, verse 15, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now, the, 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 the three elements here of this destination to explore in your spiritual journey are uh, bearing fruit. Jesus also says in scriptures to go and bear fruit. And what are the fruit? What are the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. When you are fully living those out, it's because you have been fully formed first and you've practiced at it and you've worked at it, and you've developed it, and you've gone back and formed a little bit more, and you allowed the Holy Spirit to influence you and do some more formation in you, understanding your identity, and then you're putting into practice, you're working out with your relationships, and now you've, you start bearing fruit, and it becomes more natural to you. It's not just because you're following a set of Christian rules, it's because you've been fully formed. And second there, uh, making disciples. Sharing the gospel with other people in ways that make sense for them. It's not always a cookie-cutter pamphlet that you hand out to someone. It's about gently leading them to Christ, and we talked about the grace wheel. There are different ways that people come to Christ. Some resonate better with finding uh, innocence for being guilty. Some uh, resonate better with finding that sense of adoption into a family where someone wants them. Some people resonate best where... Uh, they find a, a new life. Like, I just need to start over, a fresh start, regeneration, new birth. So understanding the grace wheel and at the core of all of it is reconciliation with God. And so making disciples is about helping people return back to God. And then the third element is building the church. The church is the greatest organization on the earth in the sense that It has the biggest, most ultimate mission of redeeming the world back to God. And it is through the church that that happens. That's why I love it. That's why I'm committed to being a pastor. It's to build the church so that we can love and care for people and and bring them back to God. And so there are many within this church who are a part of, an active part of building the church and developing its influence in the world, and I'm thankful for that. The objective of this phase, of this stage right here, the primary objective here, is faith multiplication. We're multiplying the faith to others. Now, some people will do it in one way, and some people will do it in another way. We do it in different ways. We all have different gifts. We have different skill sets but we all contribute to building the church. Now, I'm going to end it right there. And I pray that over the the next few weeks that we are able to see how the faith map can guide us and see where we're at. 
And friends, I hope that we can see one really big difference here. And it's that difference between going from, I put my faith in Jesus, and now I'm expected to live a certain way. But the reality is that when someone puts their faith in Jesus, we need to help them start pursuing an understanding of Scripture and, and immersing them in God's Word and then forming their identity in Christ so that they can find true freedom and find a true sense of who they are and who God intended them to be. And then and only then are they able, fully capable, of living out and practicing their faith in ways that God fully intended. And as we shape and, and form ourselves, or as God shapes and forms us, then we start bearing fruit that reflect Him more and more. So, I'm inviting you, if you're a part of a, a group, uh, if you're leading a group, or if you tend to be a teacher uh, or a leader in the church, I'm inviting you to think about all of our discipleship activities here in the church in terms of using this map. Where does this study fall? Where does this book fall? And what is my goal? What is the objective here? Is it just because it looks interesting and it's going to keep us, uh, keep us going and something to talk about? Let's be intentional about it. And let's follow this faith map to help people truly grow in their faith. And again, I just want to remind you, when you get to the, to the fourth stage, you haven't arrived. You can still go back to San Diego and explore the other neighborhoods. You can still go back to the second phase and explore your identity in Christ more and more to deepen and form yourself even more. All the stages, you keep returning back to them as if you have more to explore and to learn. Now, next week I'll talk a little bit about uh, belonging and then also about pursuing. We'll, we'll talk about those two stages next week.